0: on today's show the clippers weren't able to get drew holiday but in this episode i'm going to give you three reasons why it wasn't the worst thing in the world on today's locked on clippers you are locked on clippers your daily los angeles clippers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. Your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vizieri, born and raised in LA and going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this fall. Training camp has just begun. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA Clipper and NBA content. And locked on clippers, free and available wherever. You get your podcast, including YouTube, where I want you to let me know if you think, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big of a deal is it that we did not get Drew Holiday? Are you in panic mode? You think now there's no chance we can win the championship with this team? You think we're desperately needing Harden? Or you think that was the only way we could have gotten to a championship level? And if you, of course, if you think we are still at a championship level when fully healthy, you know, go to the 1, 2, or 3 range. Let me know. But... In this episode, I'm going to give you three reasons why I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. And those three things start with the vote of faith that we gave to Russell Westbrook, which I'm going to be talking about first. Then it's the balance of our team that I feel like is really solid right now. with a couple of things needing to happen, though, to ensure that. And then the youth development. So I'm going to talk about what that means later. Let's start out with... The Russ vote of faith. So the reason why I say that I think not getting another all-star caliber guard in Drew Holiday or James Harden is the ultimate vote of faith for Russ is because Russell Westbrook took a big pay cut to play for us. I mean, people might argue he didn't have any offers anywhere else. But I think on a a contract that small, there are a lot of teams that would have been down to have Westbrook. But he takes that small of a contract he's not going to get a bigger contract somewhere else necessarily by the way i don't know about how much miami or chicago or any other teams would have been willing to offer westbrook i don't have those kind of sources i don't know russell westbrook so just because i say i don't know if any team was willing to offer more than 10 million a year doesn't mean that it's not true so take that for what it's worth have your own imagination with that but let's just say he wasn't getting much from elsewhere we know that he wasn't getting too big of a deal from elsewhere he took the 4 million and i think that says a lot about how much russell westbrook likes the clippers and how much he has appreciated what the clipper community clipper nation has done for him and when i say clipper nation that obviously means the team the organization the people that actually come into contact with him frequently even the media you know everybody involved i think we've made russ feel at home and that's what he's always wanted he didn't get that across the hall. And I think giving him the vote of faith, meaning that he doesn't have to figure out getting Drew Holiday the ball to run his pick and rolls and, and just one less mouth to feed in a way because people you know might want to argue. And, and I was arguing for Drew Holiday to come to the Clippers just, just to make that clear. But some might argue that Drew Holiday has no ego. It's not going to be a problem getting him involved. But if you think that he's just going to be a spot-up shooter and that is going to work for him, I, don't, I think you're being naive in what rhythm is for a basketball player that's been playing a certain way his whole life, that has had the ball in their hands, that has been asked to create. All of a sudden, yeah, he's the fourth guy. Although, I don't know, I'd like to hear people's debates on who they think is a better score between Drew Holiday and Westbrook. I think Westbrook might be, but Drew Holiday's a better shooter, even though his shooting percentages aren't always great, but he is a better jump shooter. That's obvious when you watch games. Let me know. Who do you guys think is a better score? Drew Holiday or, or Russell Westbrook at this stage of their careers? But regardless, the gap is not that big, right? I think Drew Holiday is still going to want his looks in the pick and roll. And yeah, he's going to be out of the game at when Russ is out of the game as well. Like they're going to stagger them. They'll start the game together and then when Russ goes to the bench, Drew will stay in. When Drew goes to the bench, Russ will stay in and then they'll end games together most likely. But and Drew Holiday has played like a two-guard role with another point guard in New Orleans with Lonzo. But those Lonzo teams never were that good. Mainly because Zion couldn't stay healthy, but they were never that good. The offense wasn't good. And then he was next to Rondo in the playoffs. That was an amazing fit. But Rondo in the playoffs, he goes to another Galaxy. Uh, And they also had Anthony Davis. But that can be done. We have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, so... That is the best example. As 2018 playoffs, Drew Holiday was kind of playing at the two, and it worked out pretty well. But the thing about Westbrook is you got to let him go. He has a lot more scoring capability than Rondo. Rondo's more of a table-setting point guard, whereas Westbrook has been a table-setting point guard for us. But in the, in the prime of his career, he's a point guard that gets assists by creating scoring opportunities for himself. Like this is a guy who's won the scoring title, I believe, twice, 2017 and 2015 one of the only point guards to win scoring titles. Now, he's not that player anymore, but he still has that downhill burst. He still wants to push the pace. And I think now he doesn't need to worry about getting another ball handler, perimeter ball handler, a guy who's played point guard touches. That's mainly what I'm saying is less touches for him means more touches for for Russ. Maybe more touches from Kawhi and Paul George coming from Russ. I think not bringing in a fourth star lets Westbrook be that third guy, and I think that's the role he wants to be. I think he feels like he's the perfect third guy for Paul George and Kawhi. And here's the thing. This is where Clipper fans and media and just basketball fans in general are going to have a disagreement. Some think Westbrook is good enough to be that third guy on a championship team. Some think he's not. Personally, I think he is. The, the, The concern I've always had is I don't always trust Westbrook closing games. Is that to say that I always trust Paul George closing games? Absolutely not. But I trust Paul George a little more because of his shot-making ability. And the ball, I always say, tends to find non-shooters at the end of games. That's not to say, though, that Russell Westbrook hasn't hit his fair share of big shots. He's hit a couple of big shots for us in the regular season, of course. And he still has his clutch moments. But it's all about you know, how big the mistakes you make are. Like I always say, four turnovers in the stat sheet is not just the same as another guy's four turnovers. The timeliness of your turnovers, whether they're live ball turnovers, these things matter. Turnovers at the end of games, when the pressure's high, those things matter. And Russell Westbrook and Paul George both have a tendency to make very reckless decisions with the ball late in games. Now, the thing that makes me confident that Russ can be a third option on a healthy Clipper team to win the championship is that even when Tyloo pulled him out of games to close, he was still on his feet clapping on his teammates. If he can continue to do that in games that he might not be having it, because those games will come, then that's the absolute best thing you can say about any teammate, is they understand what's needed to win, even if it means a personal sacrifice for them. And I think Russell Westbrook showing that after being the man his whole career would just show how much he's grown and how much he really wants to win. So I think this is a very solid move in the sense that, okay, when I say solid move, we we probably tried to get him and just didn't and couldn't. Weren't willing to give up certain things. Obviously two first-round picks. But I really think the pro out of it is that Russ – has been given all the confidence in the world. The one thing I'm worried about is I don't want him to get too confident. Really try to show everybody he's still him, kind of like how John Wall was doing last year, and trying to go average 20, 10, and 10. But I don't think he's going to do that. I really think he understands where he's at at this point of his career, and I think he saw how fun it could be last year, although in the playoffs he was going off. So we'll see how it goes. As long as Russ realizes he's still the third best player on this team, maybe the fourth best scorer because Norman Powell, and he scores and he's very efficient doing it. He's Russell Westbrook is still going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He's still going to table set. I like when he just came up and moved the ball and then went to the dunker spot or was a screener, finding ways to try to be effective off the ball, but still the offense is running through Kawhi, through Paul George. That's what I love that he bought into. It's not The offense is not run through Westbrook anymore. But he is the controller of it. Whereas with the Lakers, LeBron is always going to be the partial controller of it, no matter how much he sacrifices. He's just one of the best on-ball decision makers to ever play the game. So it's just an uncomfortable fit for Russ. No matter who you put around them, yeah, it would have been better if they had more shooters. But it's still not seamless. It's not seamless. But with the Clippers, it really is a seamless fit. And coming up, I'm going to be talking about why I think it's the seamless fit. Why I think we found the perfect balance by not adding another guard. Going to be talking about that coming up. I got to tell you a little something about Ibotta. It's football season, so that means pizza, wings, and maybe even some buffalo chicken dip, whatever you prefer at your tailgate. Go all out and get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Download the Ibotta app now and use code LOCKED to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. And use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. And use code LOCKED. All right. So not getting Drew Holiday is not just big for the Russ vote of confidence for me. But I think the team as is right now has a really solid balance. We've talked about the hole at Power Forward. I think that could be mitigated by Paul George and Kawhi playing up more. And that's something I've been talking about recently on this show. Now, I've heard very mixed things about Kawhi being willing to start at the power forward. Even though Kawhi himself, on media day, said that I don't even know what position I've been playing the last couple of seasons. It's a positionless league, the three, the four. So that encourages me to think that Kawhi Leonard is okay starting at the four because he's already used at that second biggest guy on the court spot a lot throughout a game. But I get it. The label of power forward, maybe more banging down low to begin games, that may be what he... Or to begin halves, I should say, would worry him. I I really don't know because I think that he usually guards guys that are lesser threats offensively to preserve himself for the offensive end, which is what the coaching staff asks of him. And he'll be you know kind of chilling around the dunker most of the time or or maybe chasing some guys off screen sometimes when he's playing the three. But when he's playing the four, it's easier for him to kind of just be around the rim. And if Zubats gets pulled out, he's there for secondary line of defense, rim protection. So I like him in that role. I've already stated why I like him in that role. And it seems like a lot of people are agreeing with me. Also, it, it lets Terrence Mann potentially start. Some people are talking about Norman Powell starting at the two. I'm gonna make a, an episode probably on Friday about Norman Powell's fit starting versus Terrence's. But let's just go back to the balance. So let's say we do, let's say we don't start Kawhi at the four. Look, it's okay, but we got to start Covington if that's the case, and give him a shot. Marcus Morris, I, you know, I saw that he was in Hawaii and he's there. Everybody's there at training camp. But Marcus Morris, I really hope he's down to just be a vibes guy this season. Cheer on his teammates from the bench. Be ready when his number's called, similar to Rocco. And I'm fine with that. I really am. But if it's another season of the same thing, I know at at the absolute best Senior will start the season out pretty well, and then his knees are going to go around January most likely, maybe December. He didn't earn a spot, in my opinion, with his playing, with his game, over a guy like Covington, who deserves a chance, who got over 20 coaches' decision DNPs last season. It's not fair. He's shown that he can be a much better player on the defensive end. His three ball's not as good, but it really isn't that much worse. If you look at the numbers, I just think he didn't have the volume in senior. You know, when senior's playing at his, I, would, I wouldn't even say at his best, but when senior's actually playing like the role player we know he can be, his three-point percentage is really solid. It's always above like 36. But now his knees have just kind of gone. He's had a lot of wear and tear. He doesn't get the same lift on his jump shot throughout the season. And that's normal. That is what it is. Robert Covington is just more athletic right now. He has a seven-foot wingspan, has really good hands. I think he really makes the floor shrink for the opposing team um, offensively because the length with Kawhi, Paul, and him, that's that's a lot. That's very switchable. They can close out and scramble very well. It's just a lot of length, a lot of size, and mobile size. I think Robert Covington adds that element. Let's just say for for me being an optimist here, we don't have senior in the rotation, right? And we have Robert Covington starting. Besides that, okay, then we have Nico coming off the bench. Problem solved. Okay, the power forward is the weakest spot, but not every team is going to be perfect. Every team has holes. It's very rare that you look back in history and you see teams without holes. Like the, the, the Miami Heat big three teams, their bench wasn't that good. Cleveland, when they won the championship, their defense wasn't great. It was good, and it was timely. They weren't a great defensive team, but they were good. And they were big when it counted. But my point is, every team is not perfect when they win a championship. Yes, the teams with the least amount of holes, and the holes that aren't the biggest, do end up winning. But I think that power forward hole is just is a little bit more... I think our fans are going to call it out, and it's going to seem like a bigger deal than it actually is because in this hypothetical, we would be playing Roko and Nick, Nico Batum, who I think would mitigate the issues a lot. Then we get Kawhi playing this little, little small ball four, maybe KJ Martin, have a very athletic lineup out there. It might work, and our offense might be really good, and that's the thing. we got to remember who our coach is. Ty Lue sees the game from a very offense-first lens as a coach, and we're going to be seeing lineups that optimize offense or attempt to optimize our offense. Now, in terms of the balance, I want to continue to talk about this. Our two best players are Wings. We have one point guard that's setting the tone to start the game. And then we have a very solid bench. And now nobody from the bench needs to sacrifice. So now, I mean, we already had a thing about the depth we had. Had we gone Drew Holiday, though, it would have been very interesting who we gave up. But I like that we get to watch these players grow. I genuinely like... Everyone on the team. I want everyone to get better this season. I mean, Marcus Morris is the only one that will probably get minutes. That I'm like, I think he's peaked as a player, you know. And I think that he, we have guys that can do what he does when Kawhi and Paul are healthy. Now, if Kawhi and Paul aren't playing, I think those are games where if Marcus Morris gets a run, I don't think it's like totally detrimental. I think that makes sense because guys that can get their own. But Marcus Morris wasn't even good at that towards the end of last season. So, it, you know, it depends on you go with the numbers, the production, or you go with the confidence in your guy. And Ty Lu, I definitely think, will go with the confidence in his guy. Give him another chance because he knows what he's capable of when he's on. And as I said, I'm not that uh, opposed. But again, I would rather give those minutes to a Kobe Brown or a Brandon Boston. Like, that's my opinion. You know, let me know what you if you disagree or agree in the comments. But Kawhi and Paul surrounded by one other point guard in Russ. You have Terrence Mann out there. As people know, that's the the guy I want starting. As just a play finisher, play connector, a guy that doesn't need pick and roll reps or creation reps on the ball. He's just going to be there to do the dirty work. It's a perfect role for him. Then off the bench, you get your second burst of scoring with Bones and Norm. Norm is a consistent 16, 17 points a game. And I like when he comes off the bench. He has that complete green light to go attack. Go look to score. We don't always need that when Kawhi and Paul are out there. Alright, I'm giving away too much for Friday's episode. But... You got the play connectors off the bench like KJ Martin, Nico Batum. What I mean by that is they're not guys that are going to be asked to create their own shot, not guys that have the capabilities really to create their own shot at the NBA level. They're going to be guys that feed off what what is created for them and they're athletic and do other things to contribute. In KJ's case, he's a vertical threat. You know, he can set screens at his position and he can go up high for rebounds. Nico Batum, solid cutter, great length in the defensive end, capable of guarding multiple positions, communicator, you know, great in terms of catching the ball and sometimes not even bringing his shot down, getting that release off very quickly. That's tough to guard and tough to close out on for NBA players because he, he minimizes that release time or time before, from when he catches the ball to get the shot off by like a 0.5, 0.8 seconds. And at the NBA level, that's a lot with with the athleticism and length that you're playing against. That's just, that's just a little thing, but I can go on about Nico. You know, he's a good passer, all these different things. Doesn't dribble too much, so he's a great connector. And then we have Mason Plumlee off the bench. I think the balance is really solid right now, and we honestly have still a little bit of too much depth because Amir Coffey doesn't get minutes, and I really think with consistent minutes, there's still a good NBA player there, as we saw in 2022. Brandon Boston, I really want to get into his development, let him actually get shots up, consistent reps to show what he can do out there. Really adds to our athleticism. Uh, He has that creation that we want him to improve his efficiency with, but that's only going to come with reps and confidence. So I really like those two. And then there's Kobe Brown, who a lot of fans have been clamoring for to get some actual minutes this season. So there's some guys, you know, the Clippers got some guys. We got a very solid overall team and coming up, I'm going to talk about why not getting drew holiday is good for the youth movement if you think we have any going to be talking about that coming up All right so the youth development now there's a lot of people out there that think you can't really do the two timelines thing and what i mean by the two timelines thing is develop young players while winning a championship with a win now team i don't fully agree because i think if your team is built around youth then yes you can't win a championship that way but i think if you have a couple of young players in a championship rotation maybe one or two maybe even three that's normal that's happened throughout history it's not like everyone's a vet when when they win a championship I mean, you look at last season. The Nuggets were a more, you know, guys in their prime team, of course. But you did have a Christian Brown in there who was a rookie. Bruce Brown, I mean, he's on the older side, right? Let us let me check how old Bruce Brown is. But he is a guy who I feel like he hasn't been around for that long, maybe seven or eight years. Yeah, He's 27 years old. Let's see how old Terrence Mann is. I think Terrence Mann is 26. Yeah, he's twenty six. Terrence Man, so one year difference. He might Terrence Man. Let's see what when when his birthday is. He might be twenty seven by the time the playoffs roll around. Yeah, he's gonna be turning it's October 8th. Oh, he's, his birthday's in two weeks. Two weeks from Wednesday, so he's gonna be turning twenty seven. So similar age as Bruce Brown. We think of Terrence Man shouldn't really be considered a young player anymore. He's approaching his prime soon. So you have KJ Martin. He's kind of on the younger side. I don't know how many minutes K.J. Martin would really get in the playoffs if we shrink the rotation a bit, but who knows? You know, he could be our Christian Brown. We also have Bones Highland, so there is some youth there. But on the other side of it, as our starters are concerned, we have—and Bones is also a guy that would get limited minutes in the playoffs, I, I believe, unless he really takes strides defensively. But Kawhi, Paul George, and Westbrook are all 32 and over. Nico Batum is on the older side. Robert Covington, even if he's starting, is on the older side. Zoo is on the younger side. Mason Plumlee is definitely on the older side. So we have a lot of experience, a lot of older guys as well. Norman's in his prime. He's 30. So I think it's a, a decent mix. As far as the youth development is concerned, I think not getting Drew Holiday is big for Bones Highland, unless Bones Highland would have been involved in the trade. Now, if, if Norman Powell had left... I think Ty Lu, knowing how much he likes small ball, he would have still, even with the staggering of Westbrook and Holiday, would have still played Bones Highland because he's not afraid to go with two, sometimes three guards. And Bones Highland can play off the ball in terms of a catch-and-shoot role. But I really like him trying to get the reps to become a better pick-and-roll creator, kind of like how Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford ended up becoming. And that's the kind of mold I think Bones Highland can follow into in his NBA career. And I think he might just be a sixth man, like a great sixth man his whole career. But right now, he's not a great sixth man. He's not good enough for that. But I want to see him develop into that. And I think not having Drew Holiday and Russell Russell Westbrook or James Harden and Russell Westbrook staggering, I think it lets Bones Highland be that guy off the bench when Westbrook's out to get those on-ball reps, to be an important part of the offense. He's going to have his games where he's ice cold, but he's also going to have his games where he's scorching hot and he's going to get the crowd going. He's an exciting player. He's a player that, you know, has that street ball feel, that herky-jerky, cross you up, step back three, and he plays with this enthusiasm that I think is, is really fun to watch for fans, and I think he's going to have moments where he really energizes the crowd, and I think people are sleeping on momentum. I know that the concerns are there defensively, but if you really... We played Reggie Jackson for 32 games as our starting point guard last season, like... Bones Highland had moments in the playoffs where he had we got steals and I'm not saying that means he's a great defender. I'm very adamant that just because you get steals or you're in the passing lanes doesn't mean you're a good defender. But it's better than what we heard from him. We were hearing that he's terrible, he doesn't play any lick of defense, he's not even he's not even better than Reggie Jackson on that end. That wasn't true. Uh he was actually trying a decent amount in the playoffs, fighting over screens and They tried to target him, and sometimes they got they were successful. But we made runs with Bones. And he had a couple of nice defensive plays with active hands and using his long arms to get some steals. And that's something. That's something that leads to defense leading to offense. So I think Bones can really develop. A lot of it is him getting stronger. Apparently, he put on like 10 pounds. That's great to hear. Let's see how it translates defensively in the season. But I really think... That not bringing in Drew Holiday really helps Bones. Also, I still don't know who we would have given up, but the fact that Boston uh, Brandon Boston is still on this team is I'm very happy about. The thing is, he may not play. He might only play a couple of games. You know, when dudes are rested, or yeah, like we're load managing Kawhi on a back to back or something like that, or guys are actually injured, which is. (laughs) You know, it's going to happen throughout the season. You're never going to have a season with no injuries. I hope Brandon Boston gets those reps. And when I say youth development, I don't think Brandon Boston will be in our rotation this year uh, consistently. And in the playoffs, I think what we got KJ Martin and didn't give up Nico Batum, Robert Covington, or Marcus Morris. That ensured that Brandon was still going to be third string. But I think just keeping him on the roster and giving him those reps and him being around a championship culture, he will be... If he doesn't grow frustrated, he could be part of the Intuit Dome plans, and eventually we got to let him get into our bench rotation, and eventually see what he can do. And when I say eventually, I mean like next season. Unless he really outplays guys this season, where we're like he, we have to get him in there. That would be cool too. But I really think not getting Drew Holiday one gives Russ the vote of faith that you're our guy, you're our floor general, you're our third option. You don't have to worry about another guy that you want to, you know, make sure gets his reps and gets his looks and. He feels comfortable. He doesn't have to sacrifice too much. I think now he just, no one needs to sacrifice, really. I mean, Russ, to a, to, to a degree, yeah, in terms of the scoring. But th- he should know who he is right now, and I think he does. And I think that's a guy that's averaging less than 20 points a game. And that's okay. He's still going to get a good amount of assists and some rebounds. And more importantly, be a part of us winning. That's the most important thing. And that comes from defending consistently as well, more than anything for me with Russ. With a perfect balance, I think we don't have too much in one place. I think we have players everywhere. I, I really think we do. Whether you think those role players are good enough, that's up to uh, the, the fan. I really think it's about Tyloo playing the right guys, You know, taking Morris out of the rotation, maybe playing Covington here and there, maybe Kawhi at the four, a lot of Terrence Mann, more Zubats in crunch time, those kind of things. And that's when, that's when Zoo's having a good game, and we really lack rim protection and rebounding because there have been those kind of games. And last but not least, the youth development. Letting Bones Highland get more reps. Having Brandon Boston closer to getting in the rotation. Letting ZooBots, that's another thing. They were talking about ZooBots, and I'm going to talk about that on the Thursday episode. Getting more touches in the post. I've been saying that for years. We need to empower Zoo by making him feel like a guy that's going to get looks. Isolation, low block. Four or five times a game because he's efficient when he gets it there. He has a great right-hand jump hook. If you bring Drew Holiday there, how many times do you think they're going to run Zoo post-ups? Very few. Even on switches, we don't look his way outside of Russ consistently. But I'm really happy that that is also something. When I talk perfect balance, I should have mentioned more about that. If it's a Zubot, get if it's his Zubats getting some touches in the low post, getting some more reps, feeling like he's a guy that we're looking to get at least 10 points a game. And we have a solid big man with touch. We lack that with DeAndre Jordan. We wanted this. So anyway, that's all I got for this one, Clipper Nation. Let me know what you think of all the things I said. Uh, do I have too much confidence in Russell Westbrook? Who do you think is a better score between Russ and Drew Holiday at this stage? What do you think about the things I said about Bones Highland? You let me know everything in the comments. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper and NBA content. Just did an episode on reacting to Damian Lillard going to Milwaukee and Drew Holiday to Boston. Now Portland came out of it. And, of course, Locked On Clippers, free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe say something a little nice for your boy, or you can hate on it for your boy. It, it's a, tell us whatever you want actually don't hate don't be a hater man i love this team sometimes i'm harsh it is what it is but i'm still excited in its own way for more clipper basketball and more than anything to interact with you guys try my best to read the comments so make sure you guys comment and give me your thoughts locked on nba make sure you also check that out five days a week And on Thursday's episode of Locked On Clippers, going to be talking even more about media day, things that Paul George said, if it's a Terrence Mann. And then Friday, we'll get into Norman Powell versus Terrence Mann for that starting two-guard spot if we play Kawhi at the four. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers!